Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We're back here on the block. Big shouts to the boss man DP for coming and dropping some knowledge on us. Um, apparently, depending on the state, a letter of intent is legally binding. I had no idea. Yeah, d- yeah. D- it sounds like depending on which state you're in, and and that, that could also be extended to uh, the length of the uh, scholarship, four years, and it has to then be broken, and then depending on the payment or the payout. I think there's other uh, things that are involved in that too, whether or not somebody's injured, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether or not you must maintain the scholarship in order to make sure that they complete whatever it is their injury. They have you have to have an understanding and an agreement about that that you just can't kick somebody off their scholarship because they do have an injury. I think there's insurance, so it is fluid, but it's not necessarily a, a cookie cutter type of situation. Always work with people smarter than you that are willing to teach you something. That's a tip. Uh, We go to our Allo VIP line, uh, Allo Fiber, where we understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. And we welcome in Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan, have you at all recovered from the craziness that was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of Volleyball Day, Husker football in Minneapolis, and travel back home last week? Hmm. It was wild, man. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, late night Wednesday at Memorial Stadium and up early Thursday for the <clears throat> drive to Minneapolis, and then you <laughs> back, uh, you know, 24 hours later. So, uh, yeah, it was great. Like that's what that's what you you do the job for. It's not certainly all glitz and glamour, um, but yeah, it was it was fun. And and there is no letdown this week, right? With Colorado on deck here, so it's it's been a fun little stretch for sure. No letdown is right. I mean, a little bit of a letdown maybe for Nebraska, you know, on the road in that first game, holding that lead late into the fourth quarter, letting it slip. Positive or negative, from what you saw from Nebraska football against Minnesota, what do you think was real about what Nebraska showed in week one? Well, and that's a great way to put it because, I mean, you look kind of zoom out big picture and, yeah, Nebraska lost for a fifth time in a row to Minnesota, and it was another one-score game, and I think there was a temptation to this thing. Okay, you know, the new thing, same as the old thing. But you do dig into it a little bit, and you see things like Nebraska essentially playing even with Minnesota in time of possession. Like, that's something that they had not done in any of their previous four matchups. I mean, they got dominated in that particular statistics. So I think that's one area that you can look at and say, you know, Nebraska has said it wants to slow things down, it's going to huddle, it wants to protect defense, possess the ball. Uh, And I think we saw that against a team in Minnesota that's been a top 10 team in time of possession each of the last three or four years. So I think that's one. I think another is there's going to be depth on this defense. And we saw that right away um, where they used I think it was 18 players defensively on the first drive and ended up playing right around 21 or so and that's without Nick Henrich and Jamari Butler who were out with injuries so I think that's another interesting piece to watch where this staff is really going to put guys in the fire and see what they can do and sometimes uh, maybe that'll show them that the guys aren't necessarily ready but I think more often than not it shows them that hey you know these guys are our gamers, it helps them lock in during the week. And as Luke Reimer pointed out afterwards, I mean, if, if you have that many guys and you're uh, able to to spell yourself for 10 to 15 snaps a game, by the end of the season, you're essentially you know uh, saving yourself a game or two 
of defensive snaps, and that can pay dividends in November when you're going through the Big Ten meat grinder. So I think those were two that jumped off the page to me where, you know, Nebraska wants to hold on to the ball more. Uh, I think we saw them do that against a team that's good at it, and then just, uh, you know, again, a willingness to use more bodies defensively than we ever saw in the last few years. Defense a big theme, real or not real, the rush defense. It was 25 carries for 55 yards a product of, you know, great work by Nebraska's defense or Minnesota not maybe committing to it as strongly as years past? You know, I think it's real, and we're not going to find out this week because Colorado doesn't really run the ball either. I mean, even their running back, Dylan Edwards, they like to get him involved, or at least they did in the opener with the pass game, a lot of short screens and things like that. So I don't know that we're even going to get the answer to that this week, but I do know that Minnesota uh, likes to lean on the run. Yeah, they, they didn't have Mo Ibrahim this year uh, after, you know, 20 seasons in Minneapolis or whatever it was. Uh, but I, that was a really encouraging first step, I think, especially for a, a defensive line that beyond Ty Robinson really had very little starting experience or power five experience. I thought Nash Hutmaker looked uh, the part for sure. Um, you know, um, Cam Lenhart came on strong. Blaze Gunnerson had his moments, and then they were all backed up by that linebacker group. I mean, John Bullock was around the ball quite a bit, Luke Reimer, and again, we didn't even see Nick Henrich out there because of injury. So I think it's it's looking a little brighter maybe than it appeared that it would a month ago. And, you know, I think another, like, just watching the game, you hear the pops, you see kind of uh, the push that that defensive line was able to create. I, I do think that there is something to be said about the fact that this was such a physical offseason and fall camp for Nebraska that they didn't go into this game feeling like Minnesota was, was going to bully them around or there was no shock factor there. I think um, that's, that's a good sign moving forward. So I would say, yeah, I, I'm leaning toward it being more of a real thing than not. One more real, not real for Nebraska. Tommy Hill is a two-way player. We heard a lot about Travis Hunter, what he did playing his you know, 130 almost snaps for Colorado. Tommy Hill getting that deep shot, is that a one-off? Is that something you expect to see more of? Uh, I think we'll see a little bit more of it. I don't know that you're going to see him play you know, 15 snaps offensively, but I think you might see him play three or four or five, and especially in the wake of the injury to Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda and Nebraska just – looking for somebody who can stretch the field a little bit. Uh, you know, Hill's a guy who has that top-end speed. And we saw, even on the one play, that he did have a little bit of separation there for a time. Uh, and so, you know, that's that's something different for Nebraska, right? When you think about Trey Palmer and Samari Toure and some guys who've been able to take the top off and, and hit that home run ball through the air, um, I don't know that Nebraska necessarily has that guy as the full-time receiver they have a lot of good route runners um you know possession type of guys but i don't know that they have that kind of speed so that's why i think uh the, the staff is a little bit more willing to see what tommy hill can do just because of the speed that he has back there oh so evan here's the thing man uh it's going to be a two-part question uh one of them how do you think that the um being that you were talking about the receiving core right now it is very thin uh, we have possession type of guys. We had an opportunity to take a look at what the secondary looks like there. Uh, I can envision a defensive scheme from Colorado to absolutely flood the box, um, um, absolutely put a hat immediately on Jeff Sims and say, come throw this ball. How do you think that our receivers will match up against their DBs? Yeah, I mean, it's – well, first of all, I don't know. I'm not convinced that Colorado is going to be able to stop the run. I mean, TCU gashed them for seven yards a pop, 
And so if I'm Nebraska, I'm going to make them prove that, that they can stop the run. And, and I'm saying, like, even if you have to punt on a possession or two, like, I'm going to continue to hammer, uh, you know, Anthony Grant or Gabe Irvin or run Jeff Sims uh, first and foremost. And, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to change it up a little bit, and there'll be points where, um, you know, maybe Colorado will stack it to the point that, that there's single coverage everywhere and, and Jeff Sims will have no choice but to throw. Uh, but, you know, I, I think having Marcus Washington back for a full game is notable. Uh, I think the fact that Billy Kemp went without a catch in the opener is an anomaly. Like, I don't I don't think you're going to see that again this year. He's he's too good of a of a route runner and, and, and just has too much experience making plays to be shut out like that. You know, I think you can get the tight ends more involved than they were. I mean, Nate Borkertcher was open on some routes last week where he didn't uh, end up getting the ball. Thomas Fedoni, we still haven't seen him uh, be targeted much at all to this point. So, like, there are, there are other options and there are other ways to go. Uh, but, again, like, if I'm Nebraska and I'm looking at what Colorado does offensively and I'm looking at, uh, you know, what I do well if I'm Nebraska defensively, like, the game plan to me is pretty clear that unless you're totally getting stuffed over the course of multiple drives, um, I, I think that's the path to victory for Nebraska is just hammering the ball, uh, you know, in the ground game and, and making Colorado stop you that way. All right, one 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 last question for me uh, before I turn it back over to my partner. Uh, at what point, as you're looking at this schedule, if we have another struggle of a time from Sam, now listen, I'm not speaking this or do I want this. I want him to actually win and succeed because I know that um, the success of the Huskers are important. But at what point do you say um, with another major struggle night or a struggle half that you say let's let's give somebody else a, another look. When when would you envision that being? Do you think not necessarily this game, not necessarily next game, four games? What what do you what is your initial thought just in a hypothetical? Well, I think it would be I think you you give Jeff Sims this game unless things are are totally off the rails. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think he's earned the right. I mean, he was clearly the guy uh through the offseason, especially after Casey Thompson left. Um, you know, there were elements about what Chubba Purdy and Heinrich Harburg have done that the coaches like, but Sims, uh, I mean, he's the dynamic package. He's the guy who can, who can run it the best. He's the guy with the big arm. He's the guy who's done it at a power five institution before this. So I think you give him this game for sure. And then, you know, the way that Nebraska's schedule sets up, like their first two games, you go big 10 rival and you go Colorado and then you have two home games against Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech, and those are games where the focus sort of shifts away from the opponent to to Nebraska, right? Like we talked about Minnesota and what they do. We talk about Colorado this week. The talk the next two weeks are going to be about what Nebraska does well, what it needs to do well. And so I think if Sims, uh, you know, struggles in those two games, and those are tight games maybe, and, and, and there are some giveaways that – keep those uh, group of five teams around, then I think that's maybe where you have that discussion heading into the the Michigan game. But I, I still think, you know, again, you start with two power five teams that are, that turns out they're, they're pretty good ones. Um, and you give them a chance to sort of iron things out at home against teams that you should be able to beat. And yeah. if you're still seeing concerns, significant concerns at that point, that's probably when I would revisit that discussion moving forward. 
let's tie all that together when it comes to the run game and the game being about Nebraska's opponent versus Nebraska. It, it seems like one of the biggest questions that we've had about Nebraska for a while now is what's the identity? I think a big part of what I heard in the offseason was they, they want to be physical. They want to run the ball. And this, I agree with you, Evan, seems like a good time for Nebraska to prove that. 17 mm-hmm. carries for 81 yards for the running backs. I think you have to double that number of carries as part of the game plan against Colorado, right? Trust your running backs. Trust Gabe Irvin, Anthony Grant, uh, probably, I guess, Irvin and Ramir Johnson as the top two guys. But to me, I, I'll think it's a step forward for Nebraska if they commit to the run with the running backs and not put so much on Jeff Sims' shoulders. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's. I mean, all the, the successful offenses in the country either aren't running the quarterback or when they are, it's a change of pace deal. Uh, deal. You know, you're not you're not relying on the legs. And we've talked about this before, and it's pretty well established that if you're running your your QB ten to fifteen times a game, that opens you up to injuries. That ex- that opens you up to potential turnovers through fumbles. And so you want to be able to trust your offensive line and trust your running backs to get the job done. And when you talk about identity for Nebraska, to me it starts with, you know, one, do you continue to do what you do even if it's not working? And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, beyond that, do you have success in what you do when the defense knows what's coming? And I think that's probably going to be the case. Like I think Colorado is going to expect Nebraska to run the ball. And so will they be able to do it in spite of that? Uh, and, and will they stick to it if it's not working right away? I think those are two early signs. Because how many times, yeah, especially last year and in recent seasons, have you seen where the running game doesn't work early, Nebraska abandons it, it becomes sort of a seven-on-seven mm-hmm. uh, shootout, and those typically don't end, end well for Nebraska. So I think this is a real opportunity for Nebraska to lean back onto its, you know, uh, uh, rich uh, Big Ten heritage, so to speak, <laughs> and just be the, be the tougher, phys- more physical team. Um, I, I do think they have that advantage on the lines. They don't have it in the skilled players, but they have it on the lines. And can you leverage that into shortening the game and, and being where you want to be late? Funny, Nebraska has a chance to do to someone else what the entire Big Ten seemingly has done to Nebraska. As we're chatting with Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan, you did put a write-up on Omaha.com about Colorado, everything you need to know. I'll ask you a similar question, but more general. From what you, you heard and saw from Colorado in week one, what elements of their 45-42 win over TCU do you think are real that Nebraska fans have to take seriously? Yeah, I mean, I think their skill players are real. That's that's pretty obvious. I mean, they have their two uh, receiver transfers from South Florida, Dylan Edwards, the freshman running back who was once you know a Nebraska target who'd visited here many times, had accounted for four touchdowns. Shadur Sanders, of course, when you pass for 510 yards in your Power 5 debut, that's going to turn some heads. So, like, I, I don't think that their offensive line is particularly great. Uh, I don't think, you know, their front seven defensively are particularly great. But they've got some pretty high-end uh, uh, safeties and corners. Their receivers, their quarterback, their running back are all really good. And so, I mean, I think that's where it's going to start. And Colorado's going to lose some games, I think, uh, as the season goes on. I don't know that they have the depth that you're going to need to to have maybe uh, a winning season beyond, you know, seven and five, something like that. But the guys that they do have at the top end are really good. And so if you can, uh, you know, even contain them a little bit uh, and, and, and kind of limit what they do, I don't know that Colorado has a lot of other you know, options or depth 
beyond some of their their headliners. So I think that's that's where it is. And and until some of those other guys show that they, uh, you know, deserve to be relied upon as reserves, whether that's on the offensive line, the defensive line, or whatever, I think Colorado's path to to victory is going to be similar to what it was against TCU, which is uh, you have more talent at those skill positions. You're going to have to outscore some teams. And that, like I, like you said, I would agree, devolving into seven-on-seven seven probably doesn't go well for mm-hmm. Nebraska. Last thing for you, Evan, you were out at Haymarket Park, uh, survived the, the bad air conditions, which we're glad to mm-hmm. hear. Uh, what did you hear from Will Bolt and a couple players today about how fall ball is going for the, for the guys? Yeah, it was good to catch up with them a little bit. They started last week, and so they're about a week into this thing. And the thing I was curious to hear about was, you know how has fall ball changed just in the last couple of years with the transfer portal and everything? Mm-hmm. Uh, this, you know, four years ago, you might bring in a class of like fifteen guys every year, and now Nebraska is overhauling more than half of its roster for like a third straight year. And so that's not unique to Nebraska. That's uh, just kind of how college baseball has turned with the portal and how things are now. Um, but there's there's more of I think a, of a of an emphasis on team building, getting to know guys what they can do early on. You know, there's a lot of evaluation to go. I know on the pitching side, they've got upwards of 25 players that they're working through, seeing uh, how they can command their pitches, how how, they're, how competitive they are in the mound. And then offensively, too, I mean, you lose Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson. You've got one all-Big Ten player back in Gabe Swanson, who's uh, been an outfielder for them. Uh, and they have a lot of a lot of openings to fill, middle infield, um you know, first base, maybe an outfield spot as well. So there's there, there are a lot of things to work through. I think they feel pretty good about, you know, just the, the, the culture of the team and where they are right now. But I think it's pretty evident, too, um, these next, you know, handful of weeks are going to be really important as they start to evaluate what they have and what potential roles could be heading into the spring of 24. That's Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald with us here. Evan, as always, appreciate the time. Uh, safe travels, assuming you're headed out to Boulder, and we'll talk to you next week. Yep, sounds good, guys. Thanks. Evan joins us on our VIP line brought to you by Aloe Fiber, where we understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. Big shout out to Aloe as well. If you can see behind me here, uh, Aloe Channel 951 is what's up on the stream. So if you're an Aloe subscriber and you just want to flip on your TV on, watch and listen to any of your favorite 93.7 The Ticket shows, Hopefully that includes on the block. I assume it does if you're listening right now. We really appreciate that. Big shout out to Aloe uh, for their work with their, their fiber and giving us our TV channel. We'll take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk some tennis. That might be a first ah. on this show, but some Americans are on fire. A couple teams make their teens make their way deep into the tournament, including a matchup with the world number one or number two for one of them. We'll talk some U.S. Open tennis and some American teens on fire there to round out our one of on the block next.